0: Welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back comic review podcast, episode 65. Strike Back Comic Read Podcast, Episode 65. I'm Eric. I'm David. And we are the fanboys who strike back. Uh, it's been a while since our last show, but we uh, we had some free time. We wanted to get together and, and talk about some of the things happening in comics and in the comic related world. And uh, for uh, just for clarification, there will be spoilers on the events that we're talking about, and we're going to be talking about things in the books and in the news. So, uh, if for some reason, you have a problem with spoilers. Come back later. But uh, these events are pretty old, so I think you're going to be okay, and hopefully you like the show. So uh, with that, uh, I think the first thing we want to talk about are the two big uh, events that have been happening with Marvel and DC right now, Uh, because we are fairly mainstream comic readers, but these things, you can't avoid them. You just can't avoid them when you're reading comics. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, Marvel's big event, which just started, Uh, Siege, of course, which is notable for... The reuniting of the the big three, Marvel's Trinity, is that what is that what you'd call it, David? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, the original Avengers. So with that, David, why don't you uh, kind of lead us off in this?
1: Um. Yeah, this is the reuniting of the Avengers. This is also the reuniting of Olivier Coppel, and Bendis, who did House of M together, um, and. You know, they we've been seeing a lot of ads for Siege. You know, seven years in the making, and um, Marvel also just announced this week that all of the Avengers books are going to be canceled once Siege ends. And we know that that means that they're not going to be canceled. There's just going to be another set of Avengers books. But upon really thinking about it, the last couple of days, like this really is going to be the end of like a Marvel era. Like this is. Seven years ago, Bendis started with Disassembled. That went into Civil War. That went into Secret Invasion. That went into Dark Reign. And we're finally going to see the end to that. And that's we're finally going to see Captain America, Tony Stark, uh, Thor back together. And they're talking about how the heroic age is going to come back. And it's, it's very interesting, but it's also a little bit sad. Because I really didn't really like the Avengers until I started reading Bendis' stuff. Um, so it's kind of bittersweet. We don't know if he's going to be writing the Avengers after this. I would assume that he probably will, but I'm not sure. Um, the first issue I thought was great. Um, I I loved Capel's uh, art. I like the idea that it's going to be the downfall of Norman Osborn, and I I like how Loki and him use the plan to to use what happened in Civil War to create another incident and just to use that to their advantage. I thought that, that was going to be like a little overplayed, but I thought it made sense, and especially with those two to use that to their whim, um, I thought it seemed very organic. Um, I'm not sure, actually, how I feel about Steve Rogers coming back. Uh, you know, the, the issue ended, the first issue ended, with him just standing there kind of like that, oh, crap, something's going to happen, Steve's back.
0: He's watching the TV, and he reacts, basically. He's like, okay, let's let's rally the troops
1: yeah and i i i have to say that i wasn't um i wasn't as caught up in that moment as i feel like i should have been or i would have been and maybe that's just because it wasn't a shock that that was him i felt like if you know if we didn't know that captain america reborn was coming out and all that stuff if i would have seen that i would have flipped out but i guess i'm still you know i i still like bucky we got the whole uh, who's going to wear the shield issue? And it, and it seems like Steve was like, you know, Bucky, you need to still do this. So I'm a little wary there. But in terms of the Avengers, the overall scope, I, I have loved this age of the Avengers. And I'm really excited to see the new heroic age come back. Because, yeah, it, it's been like in the Marvel Universe, the heroes haven't really been together for seven years. And I think it is time to go back to like to the classic age.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not in, as involved with these characters as you are. And what I'm just impressed is, you know, Bendis had, apparently has had the story beats for this whole thing in his head for seven years. And it's been gradually unfolding for us. And I'm really happy because a lot of the times in comics and in film too, uh, a director or creator will have something that needs more time to play out rather than pushing it all into one movie or one storyline or something like that and it's kind of a rare thing that they're given that opportunity to uh run with it for so long that's a very good point point. and it's really it, it's a testament to the talent that bendis has that you know he he sells books he really moves these books and he has a very good grasp on the characters that he's writing and uh i'm, I'm very happy that it, it's played out the way it has for him um i liked the issue i i Again, I kind of like you. I, I guess I didn't feel like the big oh crap um, moment a whole lot. Like, and I don't know if that's just my—I'm not really attached to Thor or Cap- or Steve Rogers or anything like that. I thought the Stanford thing, like, or the Stanford thing, the uh, stadium thing—that was like Stanford. I kind of—I—I I reeled back a little bit. I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. now. Oh, that that's a pretty big thing but I like how it wasn't the rest of the issue didn't dwell on that because that could have like been okay we you know let's talk about the ramifications about that and I'm sure that that is played out in a, a couple of the side stories but I'm glad the main book said okay it happened how are the main characters going to deal with it in Norman Osborne and I think my favorite character in this is norman i'm i'm so curious i'm just waiting for him to yeah. you know just lose his marvels completely and we've already seen the the kind of cracks in his armor show up uh no pun intended but <laughs> it's good and actually we had uh Ares sitting there doing the big speech to uh, yeah. rally the villains up when they like, were pushing cool. on uh, asgard and i was kind of like caught up in their speech it's like go get him."
1: Well, and in the, in the dynamic between Ares and Norman, because Ares is like, I am not going to fight against other gods, and he's like, if I find out that you are lying about this, I will kill you, and you're like, oh, crap.
0: Well, I think, out of all of this, I'm I'm a big, I, I like the New Avengers, but I, I've really been enjoying Dark Avengers for the Ares character, and I'm really curious as to what his role is going to be as this thing plays out, and I have a feeling like he's going to turn... Yeah, there's, there's been that little mistrust, and it seems like he's kind of starting. He has kind of a begrudging respect for Nick Fury as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been interesting to watch his character develop, and I'm really curious as to see where where his uh, where Ares is going to end up on the battlefield at the end of the day. But um, it was good. I think it's a good first issue, and it definitely like I'll, I'll definitely keep reading it. I have interest in it, and I want to I want to see what happens. I think it was a solid first issue.
1: Yeah, I think one other thing that I really enjoyed about it was ever since Thor came back, I, I was never a Thor, ba- or a Thor fan, but ever since he's come back, I, I've loved that book, and I've loved the character, and it always seems like he hasn't been a big presence in the Marvel Universe since, um, but I think this issue in particular, it really felt like they started going into, uh, to Asgard, and even bullseyes like Thor's coming and they're like, "What are you scared?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm scared." And I th- I thought that was a very cool scene because first of all, you don't see bulls that get scared, and secondly, like he should be scared, and it really showed the power of Thor. And then having Thor finally face off against the Sentry, I mean, it's cool to have, you know, at least maybe then they can try to do something with the Sentry and show how powerful the Sentry is. But I really felt in this first issue that like Thor is powerful. Thor is he's you know he's a threat for a reason.
0: Yeah, I, I thought this issue did a really good job of, like, okay, when when Bullseye gets scared, like, that's, that's something to raise an eyebrow about. So, so um, okay, so jumping tracks over to the other long-term event that uh, is culminating uh, over at DC is Blackest Night, of course. Now, again, uh, with Jeff Johns, this is a story and a testament to Jeff Johns' handiwork at DC and the groundwork he's laid over the past five, six years now, I guess. Yeah. Um, starting with Green Lantern Rebirth and the Sinestro Corps War, and this is the epic finale to everything. And so I've, I've seen a, a lot of people say, you know, have e- even been fatigued with this a little bit because there has been a lot more times than I think there was originally going to be, and it's affecting yeah. more books than I think it originally planned, but it's selling books. And so, of course, as a business model, you know, it's like, yeah okay slap that book and you know i think DC did a brilliant thing by putting out those rings because you had to buy certain books that you probably wouldn't buy it to get those those plastic rings and i bought them you know everyone bought them it was it's a genius idea they're making money hand over foot here but um the story itself is has been really good i feel throughout the throughout the whole event and i think that it since it has that weight of these years of watching it develop and i know a lot of people Weren't around for all that, you know. A lot of people are starting Green Lantern now. We're right, right before this event, but for me personally, and I know you too, you know, we've been reading Green Lantern for a long time, and this is the culmination to, you know, a lot of years for us and a lot of money for us. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, true. So uh, you know, it's I'm happy it's paying off. But um, issue six of eight came out, and this is right before a, a month long break in the Blackest Night uh, publishing schedule. And I thought it was, it was kind of a development that you know I, you and I had talked about a little bit, which the, the color guard of rings basically multiplied. And they had to go out to more people because that was the only way they can defeat the Black Lanterns, so they seek out more members. Now, we had talked and we thought, okay, Barry Allen, he's a, he's a pretty good representation of what the blue rings are going to stand for. And you know right. we, we could see that happening. What I got really excited about was who the other rings went to. And so, uh, here's where the spoilers come in. So the orange ring, uh, greed, went to Lex Luthor. Now you could put a whole mini series together around (laughs) this event. This is very true. I would buy that in a heartbeat because I am really excited to see that 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 reaction, that storyline, what he what he would do with it. You know, and Lex is someone who's a very creative person. He has imagination. If he has a ring that could create a manifestation of anything, he can. Imagine, what's he gonna do with it? That's pretty crazy. You know, is w- would he use it for, you know, the good of everybody? You know, he might to save his own keister but at the end of the day, you know, how how are they even gonna get that ring off of him?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah, but this isn't the ring only active for twenty four hours. It might be, maybe I I missed that part, but still, very yeah, very it is. Yeah, that was that was a very cool. I think out of all of them, that was the coolest one.
0: The the other one for me being the scarecrow uh, with fear. I'm I'd be, I'm curious to see like how how badly that could go off the rails. But at the same time, it, it was very good. It, it kind of ended the issue on a big like, okay, I'm pumped. You know, I want I want more. And that's really you know as opposed to siege. I guess. And this isn't saying anything about siege. Is at the end of every Blackest Night issue, despite all the times, and I'm not reading all of the times, but at the end of each of the main book issues, I'm always at the point where it's like. I can't wait for the next book to come out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the series as a whole, I think that's, that's testament to how good Jeff Johns has been writing and, and also how good Ivan Reese's artwork has been. Oh
1: you know, yeah. usually Reese's artwork has been gorgeous.
0: In a book like this, you know, you could, this is uh, issue six of eight. I, yeah. Six of eight. And, uh, you know, usually around this time, this is when you start seeing cracks in the artwork and, uh, you know, things start looking a little bit rushed and I, I, for one, haven't been able to tell. I think I their think work is a beautiful, and it's been consistent, and, you know, I, I used to think, you know, Ethan VanSkyver, would, they should mm-hmm. keep him on the thing just to have a sense of continuity throughout, but, man, this guy's just, uh, Reese is just, you know, hitting it out of the park.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he is the uh, Green Lantern artist. Um, you know, I'm actually a little bit lukewarm on Blackest Night as a whole, which is actually surprising to me, even, Um, I think I did, I think I I was reading too many of the tie-ins to start off, and I think that kind of burnt me out on just seeing zombies everywhere. I I think it got a little... It did. Yeah. It was a little bit much. Um, I think ultimately, um, I think what you're saying is true in terms of what they're doing is genius, how they're selling the books. But I feel like as a story, I, I think it may be hurting the actual story because I, I looking at the Central Core War, the fact that that was self contained, I think it made it so much more accessible and so much more I'm not almost more special because it was just like it was just a Green Lantern thing and and it, I think it, it did a good job of going to Earth and involving the heroes, but it still stayed as a Green Lantern thing. Blackest Night is a is a whole DCU thing and that's cool. But I almost feel like it's too big. I, I was thinking about it, and I think, like, in the first issue with Hawkman and Girl, the fact that they died, they became Black Lanterns, it was like, there was definitely a feeling of dread. And I, I only got that again when Damage died. But throughout the whole thing, I haven't really felt a sense of dread. Like, I haven't really felt like, oh, crap, um, they're not going to get out of this.
0: See, I, I did when Bruce got resurrected, and that was you know, just in the issue before last.
1: It, well, see, well, here's, and I guess here is the, the turning point for me was, I guess, the thing that would have made me feel that the most was in Green Lantern Corps when Kyle Rayner died, um, which we kind of talked about. We, sh- we were talking about doing a show about that. It just never happened. We had a phone conversation about that because, you know, Kyle's our Green Lantern, and that was a big deal to us. And then the next issue, he came back, which was, I, I mean, we'll see the ramifications of that because his connection with ceranic that brought him back. But that was just totally unnecessary to me. Um, and I think that that was where I kind of, like, crossed the line and on this, like, nothing's going to happen. And then we got, like, a John Stewart issue where I thought it was like, I you know, we haven't seen John Stewart in a while, and then we catch up with him, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening, and... I don't know. I think, like, the main book has been really cool, but I think I've ruined it because of, like, some of the tie-ins, even the Green Lantern Corps. Like, I felt like the Green Lantern Corps book was such a vital part of the Sinestro Corps War, and I feel like that is not the case with Blackest Night.
0: It definitely feels it's more and I, I think this is how it worked out was the main blackest night book feels to me like what the Green Lantern main book was in Snester corps War right the, the main green Lantern book feels like now what green feels Lantern like
1: corps
0: was. was yeah before and now Green Lantern Corps doesn't have as much of a place so it's
1: perfect sense yeah it, that's a good point.
0: It feels much more like a tie-in book at this point and you know it's fine it's kind of shown me where. You know, as far as what the other GLs are doing out in space, you know, it's like why why aren't they dealing with all these black lanterns on Earth? Well, they'll get there, I'm sure. But at the same time, I I kind of felt that same way with the Titans. I read the Superman, Batman, and Titans Titans, mm-hmm. and I'm reading Wonder Woman now. But at the same time, you know, there was Doom Patrol and Booster Gold, and there's a, a ton of them. Yeah. A lot of them I did, I bought with with the ring and just kind of toss them aside because for me, it's like eating too much cake. It's it's really sweet and it's really fun, but. You know too much of it's going to ruin my whole experience with it,
1: yeah I, th- yeah. I think you're completely right, and I think that's what I did because I'm not reading, I'm not going to really read any of the tie anymore. Um, that being said, I like you said with Ivan Reese, it's been amazing. The stuff with Bruce coming back, and there have been some shocking moments, like with Bruce coming back, and then um, all the previously dead heroes becoming Black Lanterns. That was crazy, like, and that was really like a testament to Jeff John said he's going, I mean he's going to deal with what death means in a DCU and the fact that all these heroes die and they come back. And that right there was a shocker. I, I'm, I'm a little worried because we only have two issues left and it seems like we know nothing about Necron and nothing about what's going to happen. Um, but I have faith in Jeff Johns. I, I guess I'm just a little bit irked by the whole overall experience, but that doesn't take away the quality of the main books.
0: Right, and I'm really pumped. There was just a announcement recently that uh, it's this storyline is going to be followed up by a bi-weekly series uh, called Brightest Day. Right. And I'm pumped for that. You know, just more life and goodness. And if it acts in the similar capacity, like 52 Acted, which isn't so much an event in itself, but it's the repercussions of everything that, mm-hmm. you know, a major thing that happened and how everyone kind of tries to get back into their lives and how that big event changed everyone's lives, I... I would be more than happy to read that for, especially for Blackest Night, you know, in dealing with the the epilogue and the repercussions of it.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, as a whole, I think I think the event has been cool. I think it's been a little bit too much, but like you said, I totally understand what they're doing. They're their business; they have to, you know. I, I think a lot of people would complain about that, and I, I just don't think that those complaints are ever valid. You know, they're a business; they're doing what they got to do to sell books, and I could never ever doubt them on that, you know, I am just going to choose now to not buy those books, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a personal discretion. So,
0: so okay, um, another uh, big big announcement recently back over to the Marvel camp is uh, the, the rumored Spidey 4 movie has been axed. Uh, Toby McGuire and Sam Raimi are out as, as with most of the rest of the cast yeah. in favor of uh, doing a reboot of the franchise, uh, bringing Peter Parker back to high school, um Now I'm not sure if this is going to be like a in-between film in the continuity, and they're just going like,
1: like like, to like. I don't like reboot, reboot. I think they're just starting from
0: scratch. Kind of like the Incredible Hulk was to Hulk.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But
0: you know, it, they might make it to where you can maybe you can, they they won't reference the films directly, right, but if you want choose. to make it fit, kind of like what Superman Returns did, it kept a foot in that previous world. Yeah, they might do that. So, but uh, either way. Um, I think it's a good move. I I think Spider-Man three was probably the weakest of the previous trilogy. Um, I think the actors are getting a little too old and, uh, you know, I, I think they were all great. Don't get me wrong. I, I I liked them. I even like Chris, Kristen Dunst, Mm -hmm. but, um, I I think it's time to bring you know, kind of a shot in the arm back into the franchise and that franchise, you know, started in 2002, 2000, right around then, 2002, I think. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's a decade. It's a decade later. Let's let's you know, give it give it some juice again.
1: Yeah, you know, um, this is this is my franchise and I, I would I would probably have to disagree a little bit, especially with the stuff that that came out recently because Sam Raimi was now vocal about what happened with Spider Man three was that he wanted to do the Vulture and the Sandman but Sony just said no you need to put venom in because that's what's going to that's going to sell that's going to be what's cool and i guess there was really there's a big conflict there um i think i totally understand what you're saying i think we do need something fresh i i, I guess i'm just worried because this is a studio move and it doesn't seem like it's a creative move or... It looks like it's, it. seems like it's all about money. And in the end, it's always about money. But I've come to, to trust Sam Raimi and what he could have done. And there was just like an announcement beforehand that John Malkovich was going to be the Vulture in Spider-Man 4. And I thought that that was just going to be so cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that it's going to be a reboot, especially because while I can see... What everyone says about Spider Man three, Spider Man one and two are great. I think Spider Man two is the best superhero movie out there. It's not better than Dark Knight. It's, but Dark Knight's not as I don't think Dark Knight is a superhero movie. I would see Dark Knight as a film, but I don't think you can compare the two.
0: I, I agree. It's something completely different. Um, I, I I love Spider Man two, and I think it's right up there with maybe Iron Man is uh, my favorite Mar and X two is my favorite Marvel yeah. superhero movies. But, um, yeah, I, I see your point. There's, there's definitely a, a lot of ways this could go off the tracks really fast. And I look at it in the way of, like, Tim Burton going to Joel Schumacher.
1: Don't, don't say, hey, don't say I'm, that. Don't not say, say those things. Happen.
0: not saying it's going to But we've seen that before. We've seen Brett Ratner's come in and it's ruin true. franchises. that the I mean, That wasn't too long
1: ago. I mean, X3 was how many years ago?
0: No, and they keep making more. So, but at the same time, you know, a director came in. He did a couple films, and he has a vision, and that vision is true to the character. But at the same time, the studio has disagreements. You know, there's a falling out, and then someone comes in. Now, that was a completely different situation where they were under the gun as far as a time frame went, and they cycled through a number of different directors. But at the same time, you know, if they bring this back to and they look at Ultimate Comics as far as uh, characterization goes, yeah. and I, I think what it's really going to come down to is who they get to direct the film and what type of stylistic choices that they bring to the to the feature.
1: I I, I completely agree. If they look at like Ultimate Spider-Man, um, if they look at if they look at the right stuff, this could be a completely good thing, and this could be um, a blessing. Like this, if they put him in high school, if they have the right actor, if they keep him young, and maybe even just have a couple of movies while he's still in high school. If they have, like, a, a, a banter and a wisecracking Spider-Man, which Tobey Maguire never really had, it could be really, really, really well done. I am just not sure if that's what anyone is, t- is thinking about and talking about. And, you know, that doesn't matter. That's just me speculating. And, and well, if you Spider-Man, I'm taking it, a, you know, it's I'm a little iffy here.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Avi Arad's still going to probably True. be involved with it, I imagine.
1: Yeah, he's, the, still, he's still an executive producer.
0: I think the unfortunate thing is Marvel can't bring it back under their banner that film company. Awesome. Exactly. Sony, Sony still has the rights to Spider-Man, and they're not going to get rid of those anytime soon because that's a cash cow for them.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. it would be nice because I think they could, Marvel would treat the character a little bit better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for okay. sure. I mean, and integrate him into everything. That would have been cool. I think, the mo- I think the most entertaining thing about all of this is just the fact of it not being Spider-Man or anything. It's just, like, it being, in terms of, like, Hollywood, just, like, being, like, oh, hey, Spider-Man 4 is kind of having trouble problems, but wait, we have these really cool villains. Oh, wait, these guys are out. We're rebooting the whole franchise. Just as, like, a Hollywood film standpoint, I was like, D- I've never seen anything like this. It's been
0: interesting to kind of watch because it was only like a week before they made that announcement that Ramy said in in public that and and McGuire both said in public it, it's a process we're working on it yep. you know I'm yep. excited about where the character's going to go they were excited you know they they still had passion to work on those projects and then there was that meeting and apparently you know God I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at that <laughs> but um, it, it sounds like Ramy just said you know F you and and I'm going to do it my way or you can yeah you know can me and uh, go a different way and they went with option number two but um
1: you I know I think that's where it kind of comes in for me and i think it is kind of uh, illogical but it's just a personal standpoint is that i have dreamed since i was a boy of watching spider-man on the big screen and i feel like sam raimi did did something for me that i've always dreamed about and so i have like this loyalty to this person and i really felt like he was trying to do the right thing like he was trying to say I am really trying to be true to the character. I don't believe that you, as as a, a you know company, is is doing the same, and so I really have to stand behind him at that point. Like I, ultimately, I do think what he did was right, but again, good things could come out of this. Yeah. the The
0: other thing that I'm cautious about is I've heard the term "We want to do a gritty reboot of Spider-Man, a la the Batman <laughs> flicks," and so you know beautiful. that's that's the farthest thing from what Spider-Man is. So, and this is again. Going back to either you know corporate filmmate, corporate filmmaking versus artistic filmmaking, right. who they're going to get for a director, what that person's going to have as far as their their stylistic choices for the film. But you're right. I think if they go back, they look at the ultimate comics, and I think I think the old trilogy. It's weird calling it that, but I think <laughs> the old trilogy was a very good representation of the original vision of Spidey that Stan Lee and and Jack Kirby had, True. Um, as far as you know, Spidey through the you know the sixties incarnation through like the eighties with you know marrying uh, MJ and or, or you know going in that direction and stuff like that. Right. But um, if they did a new reboot and they kind of put their foot into the two thousands comics, as far as you know the younger and you know going back and, and putting Peter Parker in high school does not make it a, a juvenile film. No, but no, no. I, I think it might also. I think it might appeal to more, peop- more people, but you still have a lot of uh, you know a lot of kids who grew up on the previous franchise now who are a little bit grown up. But mm-hmm. you know, you have a chance to speak to a younger audience now that is not a, a not aware of Spidey or, or not too familiar with him, and that's always great, you know, bring, to bring him in and introduce him to that character specifically.
1: Sure, sure, yeah, I, I yeah, it will be interesting to see how this plays out because it's, it seems like it's been pretty dirty so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's now it's slated for 2012, I think. So I guess,
1: yeah. And I don't know. I guess I mean, as soon as we see the director, and then as soon as we see who's going to play Peter, I think that's when it's going to get you know pretty real in terms of what's 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 this film going to actually look like. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, it's it's been a big big thing. So uh, the other big uh, big film news—well, uh, it's not news anymore—but Avatar has. Landed. It's been here. The world is no longer the way it once was.
1: Second highest grossing film of all time is take over it, number one.
0: It just passed Star Wars as far as the you know the amount uh, that it made. Crazy money, like crazy. But that's what James Cameron does. He just sure. he, he prints money. So, and the thing is, okay, the reviews are out. We've both seen it now. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Um. I was very disappointed with Avatar, and I think that had mostly most to do with the, the hype and the marketing of the movie. I mean, in, in your trailer, if you're going to tell me that this movie is going to change movies, like if this is going to change everything that we know about movies, um, that's a pretty big statement that you need to back up. And I don't think like I came out of Avatar, and my my thoughts were like, okay, you know, that was something special. But it wasn't game changing to me in any way. And I think that the the big thing that came around that was the story. Like, in terms of the story, in Avatar, I felt like I have seen that movie so many times throughout my life that it wasn't it wasn't special to me in that way. You have, and we'll get to that later, because I, I have a <laughs> list. <laughs> now, um, technically it was a powerhouse. Technically, you know, I saw it in 3D, it was amazing. That experience was was something that was that was changing to me like um the part in the movie you know some minor spoilers the part in the movie where they destroy the tree and you know there's uh there's ash in the air and it kind of created this whole atmosphere because you can see the ash and it's in 3d and that was one of the, the few parts in the movie where i was like wow that is amazing but um but in the end, I was just completely, uh, like, you know, underwhelmed. Like, I, I looked at the summer and going to see District 9, and I came out of District 9 s- thinking, like, wow, that's amazing. I've never seen that movie before. That's something new to me. And I come came out of avatar saying, like, well, that was, like, a really, really cool two-and-a-half-hour tech demo, but I didn't get anything out of it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree. I, um, I didn't go in with high expectations, and I went in after the reviews had come out, and, and people were oohing and owing and just tripping all over themselves to compliment this movie. Yeah. Um, and for me, it, 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 like you said, it's a very good tech demo. And I think if you want to talk about special effects and the next level of special effects, I think this film lived up to that.
1: Yeah, hands down.
0: Amazing. Um, you know, what James Cameron did in The Abyss... When he took it farther with Terminator Two, yeah. uh, and now taking it farther with Avatar, I think this is where film is going. I think this is where uh, special effects are going. I think the three D technology was wonderful, yeah. um, and that and that's all great. But I have seen this movie before. It's and I, I kind of laughed as I watched it because it's almost uh, the movie felt very. This is going to sound kind of silly, but it felt like you. Oh, it had all these very specific beats to kind of manufacture a feeling inside of me that the story wouldn't do on its own. Yeah. But they took m- moments from other films and there were, there, there were just a lot of elements. There was elements of alien, of course, with the technology and the gear and stuff like that. There's uh, there's dances and dances with wolves is in this movie. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of pieces of old science fiction and just, you know, American classics that are represented in this flip. And it, you know, that that's fine. Cause I, I love all those movies you know, if you want to just mash it up and recycle it and put it back together with some really good special effects, I'm going to pay ten dollars to go see that. I did.
1: Yeah. But sure. at
0: the same time, the um, the story for me was just very average, and special special effects do not a good movie make. Sure. You know, Terminator Two would not have yeah been what it was if it didn't have a really compelling story and a statement to make at the same time with the, you know, in the film, this, you know, just the, okay, you know, people, humans are, you know, have, are inherently, you know, they will want to, they want to take over and all that kind of stuff. And you have to appreciate the natural you beauty of things. It's like, you know, and Hey, I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the non green person here. I, you know, I'm a environmental guy, but at the same time, it felt just a little bit, a little bit forced. And, uh, you know I was it was just okay and that's as much as I can say about it it was just as far as the movie itself goes it was just okay for me um, I felt much more and okay take away my affinity for for batman or anything but I felt much more of a like holy cow moment walking out of the dark knight because that was a film and right. it had themes that it played on it had something to say and it 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 blew me away now this movie didn't and, and I regret. I think what you said about District Nine is a very good good comparison. I unfortunately still haven't seen it, but um, I think that's a very very good thing because what I heard and what I read is that's that's something that hadn't been done before.
1: Right.
0: And so you know I I I was just kind of I'm I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not un- underwhelmed. It's just it it just was, and that was all I really went into it expecting, and that's all I really came out of it expecting, or you know feeling afterwards.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's it's so odd, because really, I could only say that the story was the only thing holding it back, and I can't really say that about a lot of other films. Like, I thought the acting in this movie was superb. Like, the, the main uh, the main lead actor was great, and I thought that, hands down, Zoe Saldana, like, was amazing in this movie. Like, I totally believed her as an alien princess. Like, down to... And, and it was amazing, like... uh. It it it's also like funny because I look at the making of Avatar and I think that is amazing. I think that is overwhelming. Like I could look at these documentaries and I will probably buy the DVD just for the bonus features. I think that's amazing. The movie itself not so much, but um seeing her acting and then watching the movie was it was amazing. Like her performance is great. All the performances are great. Sigourney Weaver was really good. Mhm. But the story was just like, it. There was nothing there, which which is so um, disappointing because they had this, these amazing special effects, this amazing technology. They have stellar actors who I really feel like we're at the top of their game with their performances. But I mean, if you if you have a story that's just like, oh here, up here, oh this scene, like there was never a point in this movie where I was surprised, you know? It was just like, oh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, oh, wait, this is going to happen, oh, okay. And I was just <laughs> like, yeah, all right. I mean, it was very entertaining. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't feel like it was not, like, I don't feel bad that I paid the money for it, but, you know, it just wasn't,
0: you know? I walked out and I was like, that was fun. You know, yeah. it, it was rousing. it was a fun little adventure movie. I, I don't, I, you know, as, if I would buy it, I maybe would only buy it just because I got a new high def t- or I got a new uh, LCD TV and with the Blu Ray I'm, you know, putting right. everything in you know into showing like ooh, this this looks nice on Blu Ray, <laughs> but uh, I think the I think the special features would be interesting but it's not a movie I think that I would watch over and over and over again. No,
1: yeah, definitely not. Um...
0: But it, I mean, it was fun. It, it is what it is, and and I'm fine with that. I I don't need to take anymore out of it, but True. Um, as far as it, you know, changing, it's not, for me, it's not the new Star Wars, um, you know, and, and as far as, like, I use that as a comparison because when that movie came out, it not only changed special effects, but the story spoke to so many people on on a certain level, it was, there was a spiritualness with Star Wars that was felt in the general population at the time, right. and I don't think you're going to get that with Avatar, There's there's not, the heart's not in it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it was it was a cool movie. And it was entertaining. Like you said, it was fun. I think that would be a great way to to describe it. But I mean, even like shows that we love, like, the you know, the totally rad show, we, we we're big fans of theirs. And those guys are just talking about it. Like, you know, it's, it's totally different. It, it's interesting, because I really respect their views but it's interesting also because they are they are guys that are are in that world you know one of the guys is a director the other guys are acting um so it, it's interesting to to get their their view of it you know because they're looking at it from that point and i'm just kind of looking at it just from like a fan and i think that that maybe is where the you know the opinions differ but i i am having a lot of fun watching like, how people perceive the movie and, like, the, the reviews and everything. I think that that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my opinion was just, like, you know, it was cool, but it wasn't, you know, a game-changer. Yeah.
0: So that's, uh, that about wraps it up for us on the show. Um, you can contact us at, contact at fanboystrikeback.com.
1: Yeah, email us if you have any questions, comments. Um, you can also come to our forum. We don't really have a forum right now. We were with the Clock Talk boards, um, with Clock uh, and his uh, podcast, which you really should check out. Um, he just started a new season. It's been really cool. Um, so we're in the process of, of figuring something out right now. You might want to head over to comicforums.com and you know, quack Talk has reopened his board there um head over there he has a really cool forum lots of cool stuff you should really check out the show um and yeah i mean it's been a while but it's 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 fun to get back together and kind of do this we hope you enjoy it you know we just kind of like hanging out and talking about this kind of stuff so uh hopefully you'll hear from us soon